up, Internet? You're tuned in to episode 102 of the Potscast. I'm your host, Pete and Bessie, joined, as always, by my very good friend, Mr. Stephen Radford. Hello. Welcome back, Steve. Yeah. Another week. Uh, We're here again. Well, it's not really been a week. Like It's been like four days since I spoke to you. Three, four days since we recorded yeah. late. But yeah, it's been, it's been good. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because when... um. I, I was getting the doc together for the show, and I, I saw that you had made a, a comment about that when you were putting your – you wrote the same game in for what you've been playing this week because you're like, we just talked like three days ago. And I was like, that feels so long ago to me for some reason. I don't oh, know. I guess really just been, yeah, it's been one of those weeks, you know, where uh, – because like I started um, – you know, spoilers for what we've been playing this week. I started Horizon this week, and uh, – it like you know, I've only been playing it for like three or four days, but I feel like I've been playing it for like two weeks. You know, the fact wow, that okay, I yeah. wasn't playing it on Sunday when we last spoke, and I was like, oh, I kind of feel like starting it up again. That feels like ages ago. I know, so, yeah. And I, I really want to know. Like, we should just jump into it because I really want to know if this does have any of the PS5 improvements that we spoke about on Sunday. Well, last all week. Right, well, hold your hold your horses, man. You know. Oh, you got to do the plugs. Yeah, I got to do the thing. I got to do the rigmarole. You know, I got to get through the stuff. So, uh, if this is your first time joining us, hello and welcome to the Potscast, Loot Pot's weekly Nintendo podcast, where Steve and I get together and talk about everything going on in the world of Nintendo, what video games we're playing, you know, uh, what we're what we're excited about in the world of gaming, basically. You know, so uh, this show goes up every Monday, uh, 9 a.m. British time. It's on everywhere you can get your podcasts, and now. YouTube. Remember, if you're an audio-only listener and you've never checked it out, head over to the brand new Podcast YouTube channel and give us a subscribe. We'd greatly help. It would greatly help us, and we'd really appreciate it. Uh, if you want to get some more content from us, of course, you can head over to the original Lupots Prime YouTube channel and get some of our great video essays. You can head over to our Twitch channel where. Uh, Tonight, after the show, I'm going to be going on and streaming some, uh, you guessed it, Horizon Zero Dawn. So uh, if you miss out on that one, tune in next Thursday where Steve and I will be there playing something else, I'm sure. Um, and if you want to give us a, a suggestion for what, what we could play on Twitch or you want to get your thoughts right on the air in our mail pot segment, like a bunch of fine folks in this week's episode did, you can, of course, write into me at Pete at LewPots.com. Go and join our Discord and join the Potscast channel or hit up our weekly thread over on our Twitter account. That's at LewPots on both Twitter and Instagram uh, where we field questions from you fine listeners. And then last but not least, of course, I've got to plug the Patreon. Patreon.com slash Pots is the best way for you to go and support the show, where for just a buck, you can get access to our Patreon-exclusive show, After Dark, where Steve and I keep the conversation going for another hour or so. And uh, this week, we're going to be talking about Bucks Fizz again, for some reason, my new TV, and uh, what's going on with Warner Brothers movies and HBO Max in 2021. So if you want to hear us talk about some of that stuff while also supporting what is hopefully one of your favorite podcasts, uh, it's the best way to do it. So uh, go get that extra little bit of show. Help us keep the mics rolling, and uh, we'd, we'd really appreciate it. All right, so that's enough. Let's jump into what we're playing. Of course, I've already spoiled. I'm playing Horizon. Steve, you asked about the upgrades. So actually, funnily enough, today I confirmed to myself that it is in fact not in 60 frames per second. But That's it what I looks thought. so good on my new TV, I thought it was 60 FPS. Oh, shit. I need to know about your new TV. I was really, like, fooled. You know, into, I yeah, was like, yeah, oh, I yeah. totally get it. Yeah, well, I I was a hundred percent convinced for a while that that Fallout the patch for Fallout Four was out 
and I had to check and it 100% wasn't. But I, <laughs> but when you come, but then when you come from a 60 frames per second game and you go into that game, like uh, when I booted up for the first time and it was a 30 frames per second game, it feels fine. But I came from Forza, which runs at 60, solid 60 f- mm-hmm. uh, 4K. And it feels like like just walking through honey. It is so laggy and slow. And I'd imagine you've had a similar experience if you've been jumping between Spider-Man and Horizon, but it sounds like you've just been mainlining yeah, Horizon. I've just been playing Horizon, so I really hadn't noticed it. You know, And it's funny because um, I mentioned, I think, just last week or maybe two weeks ago about how you know, I think I've really become kind of a 60 FPS like convert now, you know, where now that I have played through the entirety of Spider-Man in 60 FPS, going back to 30 just feels off, you know, um, because I'm so used to that, that cleaner, higher frame rate. But um, going in, going into Horizon, you know, I don't know, I really didn't have that problem with it, you know, and I, mm-hmm. I don't know if it's just because the first time I played Horizon, it was 30, and I'm used to it, and it's still looking and running better, so it feels like an upgrade either way. Um, or if it's just because Horizon is less, you know, speed-oriented than Spider-Man, so maybe I don't feel the need for that 60 FPS as much, you know, or I don't miss it as much not having it. So, okay, um, but, so but, say but, they patch this game, and it is, like... 30 frames per second, 4K, you've got ray tracing, it's the most stunning game ever made, or it's like what it looks like currently, but it runs at 60 frames per second. Which one are you picking at this point? Probably the 60 FPS version if I have the option, because I imagine if I played it in 60 FPS and got used to it that way, I'd be like, oh, I can't go back. Yeah. So I think it's like, for where I'm at with it right now, it's not bothering me. <clears throat> but I think if I had the ability, it'd be a no-brainer. Because, like, there is the the setting on Horizon that they patched in after the PS4 Pro came out where you can either favor fidelity or performance, and I still picked performance. Oh, I bet if you pick fidelity on the PS5, it makes zero difference. I, I bet it can hit that performance level that PS4 Pro could hit anyway. Although, I, saying that, um, Jedi Fallen Order is capped at 30 if you pick the quality mode, which sucks. I wish they would patch that out, and so it would just now run at 60, because there's no way that the Series X couldn't, or even the PS5 couldn't handle running it at 4K 60. Uh, It's just a shame that the software caps it, so you're stuck with either 1080p 60 or 4K 30. Yeah, I wonder if they might patch that out at a later date. I hope so. I really hope so. But how are you enjoying Horizon anyway? Yeah, I'm I am really, really glad that I picked it back up. Um, you know, I, I mentioned on on the show last week that like I don't know, I kind of have this weird drought right now where I'm waiting for Cyberpunk and that's kind of the game that, you know, I've been excited for. And <clears throat> I didn't I don't have any other games that I'm like actively playing. You know, I don't really have any like multiplayer games that I can sink a ton of time into. So I've just been kind of, I don't know, just like looking for that next thing once I was done with Bug Snacks and I platinumed Miles and I didn't really feel like, you know, um, dipping more into Spider Man at that point. So as soon as I popped in Horizon, I kind of had this, this dialogue with myself where I was like, oh man, like, how am I going to feel about this game three years later? Is it going to live up to my memory of it? Like, am I going to lose steam on it? You know, kind of what, 
what is this experience going to be like now in 2020? And the beginning of the game is still like, it's a bit of a slog. Like there's, there's a pretty long opening, not necessarily just tutorial, but just like opening chapter of it. You know, it, it's, yeah. it's a little long in the tooth before it really opens up. Um, Have you heard though, how long Cyberpunk's opening bit is before the title card shows? No. How long is it? Eight hours. No way! Oh my god, that makes this look like nothing, right? Because it's like it's it's probably like an hour or so. It's like maybe like yeah. an hour, hour and a half. I um, ended a video of like we got to play sixteen hours, and it was like it wasn't until sixteen hours into the game that it really started to open up. We didn't see the title card till eight hours, and then eight hours after the title card was really when you get going. And I'm like, holy insane. shit, the game is huge! <laughs> oh my god, that's that's ridiculous. But okay, that's a that's a conversation for another day i guess <laughs> when we both have cyberpunk in our hands <laughs> um but yeah i i didn't mind it you know because when i played the game the first time and that was new you know i that was like okay whatever like i want to learn these things i don't mind that it's giving me it at, at kind of a slow pace um no i, I think i i remember getting fed up with it and it kind of feeling like it was babying me too much that's kind you know of how I, mean? I felt this time around where like I I don't mind that the opening chapter is kind of longer because like I'm nostalgic for the game at this point. So it's like, oh yeah, I don't remember all these finer points, you know. I don't remember some of these minor characters and you know, whatever. So it's like kind of nice to feel like I'm experiencing it fresh again a little bit. But also I do I did kind of feel like at a certain point, I'm like, all right, like can you just let me off the leash a little bit like can you just let me go and and do the thing um but you know i got through that that portion in the first night and once i was past that it was like all right i'm i'm back in like i'm off to the races here you know um and now it's like i've been playing it for a couple hours every night and i'm really really trucking along like i'm i think i'm like level like 20 now wow okay yeah you you really went for it yeah and i'm like i'm in um meridian so i'm like Mm -hmm. you know if you've played you've made it to the first big city which you haven't played is is like i guess the first central hub you go to and then from there you can you can really go anywhere can you and that's Mm -hmm. where you can buy like the fast travel pack and all of that stuff where you say you can then go to any of the campfires right yeah so i've you know, I, I'm I'm probably like a little less than halfway through it overall. Like I, I definitely think from this point on it's gonna get a lot faster because like I said, I'm like I'm like between like eighteen and twenty one, I think, level wise. And like the main quest is like for like level twelve, you know, fourteen or whatever. So yeah. like I'm like at the point where I'm starting to kind of like cruise through missions and side quests because i'm so strong and like i have like basically my perfect loadout already um so how did it work um, with how, how did it work with carrying saves over did were you able to like new game plus it from the ps4 or was it just like a straight base new game none of your saves are there um so you can do that all you have to do is um like i i just went and found my my most recent save on the the playstation cloud and just downloaded it from there. Um, cause like I've got PS plus, so I have like the auto 
auto save to the cloud feature enabled. Um, so I was able to do that pretty easily and, and load up a new game plus, but I actually decided against it. I wanted to um, like have the kind of fresh experience and like get things as I was supposed to rather than just have all the toys right away again. Cause I feel like, yeah, I feel like if I was playing it closer to release, then that would be one thing. You know, like if I decided I was going to do a, a playthrough again in like 2018, maybe I would have done that. But in 2020, three years later, it's like, ah, like I don't necessarily remember how all the weapons work. And, you know, like that's like a big part of the experience is like unlocking things over time and, you know, feeling that sense of progression. And I didn't want to like take that away from myself. I think I'd have forgot how they all work as well. Because like, yeah, it teaches exactly. you when you pick up the weapon, how, how it right. works, like that rope caster and stuff. Um, but I'm, I'm glad you're enjoying it. it, it I kind of want to play it again, um, but I, I, I will wait until I have a PS5 to play that game, I think. I don't think I can go back to a long load times on a console anymore. The load times are, are not bad. Um, they're slower than pretty much any other game I've played on PlayStation 5, but I've noticed that they're pretty front-loaded. Like, the very first time that I loaded up the game, it was like, oof, okay, like, come on, this is taking a long time. Um, and not actually a long time, but a long time by... <laughs> like, you know, 30 seconds instead of six, yeah. Yeah, by next-gen standards. Um, but the first, the literally the first load-up screen was, like, maybe, like, a minute. And I was like, all right, this is a lot. This is crazy. Wow, that was um, long. So, it was, maybe it was, like, 45 seconds, and I'm exaggerating. But either way, it was, like, it was up there. And... Since then, every other loading screen has been, like, way quicker. You know, way quicker. And more what I'd expect from my my PS5 experience thus far. So, I feel I mean, like... That's the um, kind of thing that, ha- that would have me angling for quick resume, though. It's like knowing that I can skip mm. past that first loading screen every single time. Because I've got to say, since I've got the new Xbox update, I don't know if it's shown up on your console yet, but... Quick resume is, is being a little bit more consistent for me. I've been um, switching back and forth between Forza and Fallout, and McCall has been playing uh, SnowRunner, and not once has it suspended us at all. Nice. It's, awesome. it's always just been snapped between all of the games, which has been really, I, really nice. I really haven't had many problems with that. Like with the. Um, what, what's the word you just used where it forces you out? Quick. Quick resume? Oh. No, 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 but the opposite. Where it, where it just, like, kicks you out, and it's just, yeah, it starts whatever. essentially from scratch, yeah. Yeah, what, whatever. You you used a word to describe it that I, I thought I was good, but can't remember. Whatever that was. Uh, <laughs> I haven't really go had back. that experience. If you're listening, go back, rewind, find out what the word is, and then just pop it back in here. <laughs> Somebody's screaming, right, like, right now. Um, yeah, so I, I haven't really had that problem. But I'm glad to see that that's that that's been giving you a more consistent experience because I haven't really used it that much. You know, like the quicker zoom for me has mostly been like for the purpose of trying it out, you know, rather than like actual use case, because I haven't really been playing that much on my Xbox. Like I played Tell Me Why and I was kind of kicking the tires on a bunch of random stuff here and there. Um, But like since I don't know the last like two weeks, I guess I've pretty much just played my PlayStation Five. You know, where it's mostly just been, you know, because because I've had stuff to play on it, right? Like I beat yeah. Miles, I uh, beat Astro Room or Astro's Playroom, I beat Bug Snacks, 
I platinumed Miles, and then now I'm playing Horizon. So it's just been like one thing after another that's happened to be PlayStation-centric. And I kind of went to my Xbox um, before I picked up Horizon, and like I mentioned like in the middle end of last week's show that I had forgotten to say that I, I played Tetris Effect. And like I've played a few things like that where I was like looking for something to play on Xbox, but there just really wasn't anything that was like super grabbing my attention. Um, but I did get two games on Black Friday that I called out last week that finally showed up uh, yesterday and today, which is Crash 4 and um, the next uh, Dark Anthology, Dark Pictures Anthology uh, yeah. game, Little Hope. So I've got both of those now. So I imagine I may take a break from Horizon at some point to, to play Little Hope, but I think I'm going to probably sit on Crash until like after cyberpunk or until I'm like ready for, I a think break that may be like, yeah, I was going to say that maybe like you're, Oh God, I'm done with sh- smashing people's faces in. I need to a break and do something a little bit more cute. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think that's going to help, but also I got cyberpunk on Xbox. So I'm about to like, I'm about to go from only playing PlayStation, I think, to only playing Xbox for a couple of weeks while yeah. I play these <laughs> two new games I got and cyberpunk. It's it's interesting to me. Like I, I I thought when you were when you got your Xbox, you would have been like deep in on Game Pass and like trying out all the stuff you missed. But it feels like you know you got hooked in with reminiscing over on the PlayStation and and nostalgia got you. Well, with Horizon, yeah. But I mean, yeah. other than that, like with every the other, other game I then, played yeah. Brand was new. new. Was all like, would- hey, these are the shiny new launch titles, right? And like Xbox didn't really have any of those, you know. And as much as yeah. I am excited to take advantage of Game Pass and play old games and, you know, um, and have this deep library. Like, right now, when you have the brand new consoles and there are brand new games on them, I wanted to play those. I totally get it. Yeah, that that makes sense. How have you found stability for your PS5? Because I saw Imran Khan was complaining on Twitter a bit this week about about how he's had, like, daily crashes and it's been super unstable for him and it's, like, the worst stability for a console he's ever had. Have you experienced anything like that? Yeah, no, I, I'm really surprised to see that. And I, I, I saw a few other people um, in the thread kind of like echoing his experience or having similar problems. And I, I know I've heard a few people talk about it. Um, and, you know, it happens with every console, right? Like um, every every launch batch, there there is a certain number that are defective that have some kind of flaw. Um, we all remember the Red Ring of Death or like the weird yellow PlayStation thing where like the laser would burn a hole in your floor. And like, there's, <laughs> yeah. there's all kinds of stuff like that that happens um, with consoles, but uh, even on the switch, know. do you remember like um, a bunch of the docks showed up bent and then there was like, um, Oh yeah. Like cracks around the vent, and scratch holes. the screen and stuff. Yeah. Scratch the screen. Yeah. That was a whole thing. Yeah. yeah there but, is always um, something. Yeah. I mean, you know, knock on wood, uh, I've been, lucky in that regard like i've never had a um excluding my xbox 360 i should say i've never had a a console go belly up on me in that way like i still have my original n64 my my launch playstation 2 um all of which still work you know uh the 360 is the only console i've ever had go go belly up on me and it happened like Two or three times, I think. Oh yeah, mine, mine red ring three times. It got to the point where I couldn't be bothered to send it into repair, so we were just doing that thing where you wrap it in a towel and just let it melt itself, and then it mm-hmm. slowly just like lays all the solder out again inside the console, and it works again for about 
two hours and then you have to do it again. I ended up just buying another one. <laughs> it was ridiculous. Yeah. yeah, that's what happened with me. I had my my Elite that I had to get fixed. I got fixed once and it broke again. And then I bought a replacement and put the back of like the HD, you know, what's the hard drive, you know, that they had that you could like unplug and plug in another Xbox. And I bought a used Xbox and did it. And then that one red ringed. So I bought... Uh, the last remodel that they did that was like the oh the like one shiny there. X one yeah. and it had the button that wasn't a button and all that stuff um, and that was that was like the end of the line for that finally uh, <laughs> but yeah so I've been I've been good like the only problem I have with my PlayStation Five um, period is that some of the stuff with the UI is annoying like I I really am irritated that. They took out the base fu- functionality that exists on every console where if you hold the PlayStation button, you used to be able to just like press two buttons and turn it off and you just can't do that anymore. And like you have to go to the menu and scroll and it's like, ugh, it's irritating. I really don't like that bit of it. But in terms of like yeah. what it's actually like using it or like navigating it, like I'm good where, where all that's been concerned. It's been oh, see, I've a seen great experience. I've seen quite a few people complaining on Twitter about it. My my friend most recently, the one that I, I saw, um, was how he, he was getting frustrated that every single time he would boot the console up, he'd be just like greeted because the first square is the store and you're like greeted with just an advert for a game that you might already own, like Destiny 2 at the moment. Oh, when you boot oh, up to the yeah, home yeah. screen. Mm. He's just like, it's just ridiculous and hates the music when you like scroll through. But I know you can turn that off in the settings if you're not a fan of the music. I used to like that on the PSP when you would like go go to the music. I think the PS3 did it as well. You would like hover over it and it would like play the Uncharted tune or whatever. Yeah, I don't know. I kind of miss the PlayStation 4 thing. Like I kind of miss themes. I kind of miss my PlayStation just having a song because I think not all of the music is like equal. You know, like yeah. some games have like good tunes and some of them are really annoying and it's like, and some of them don't have music. You know, if it's an old game, it like doesn't have music. <laughs> so like, it's just like kind of strange. You know, I, I like the super visual thing. Like I like that it's very minimal and it's mostly just a graphic, you know, and that there's a lot more um, screen real estate being used to just show art rather than like stuff. But yeah, it's it's got some things I wish they would change. Like I wish that I could arrange the icons the way that I want. I wish that I could like map the button to just let me turn the damn thing off. Like <laughs> there are definitely some some stuff like that that I I hope that they see the feedback that they're getting and and uh, and adjust. But the whole um, launching to the storefront thing doesn't really bother me because it's like. No, like, have you seen the Xbox? It has a fucking advert block in the bottom right corner. You boot it up and it literally says sponsored. And there's an advert on your home screen every single time. Yeah, and I, like, when it comes to the way that PlayStation's doing it, it's very much just like, yeah, they're trying to sell you stuff. It's the front page of the store. But I like that the store is just integrated into the UI. Like, it doesn't feel like you're loading up an app to go to the store. Like, there's no load. It's just there. And I, I dig that. Um, so like it would be better if it was at the end of my game list, but yeah. Cause what I think you want to do is boot it up, click X, jump straight back into the game you were playing rather than 
boot it up, there's the store. And I guess if you put it in that suspend mode, it boots back up and the game's like in the background anyway. Right. And that's like what I do. So that's another thing is that I don't really experience that very often because when I do um, usually turn my PS5 back on, it's just back open to right now Horizon. And if I go back to the home screen, it's on Horizon, right? It's yeah. not on the store. So like of the the times I've turned on my PlayStation 5, the percentage of which I've actually like come to the store first is like pretty small because it's, you know, it's always one of the game I'm playing. And there's the game switcher in the mini screen. So like I've had that too, where I've been like, I'm done playing this. I'm going to go to another game. And I switch back to whatever game I was playing before. So like, I don't go to the home screen that often when I think about it. I spent a lot less time there than I did on the PS4. That's for sure. And that's and it's no longer the home one press of the button, is it? It's like two presses to get back. Two presses like, takes you back to the home yeah. screen. One press brings up the um, what the are they called? The, the cards, and then the little bottom bar. Yeah, yeah. Interesting choice. Yeah, it's it's weird. I don't mind the double click to go home because I think the mini screen like does take care of what I want most of the time. And I'm coming around on cards in some cases because um, they definitely were like helpful in bug snacks. But yeah, did I you see the whole PlayStation's internal pitch thing for it and how it was all like we've we've had gamers have told us that they really want to play single player games, but they don't know where to start because they've only got like an hour or two per night. So use these cards to kind of get them into doing activities as if they were in like a, an online multiplayer game. Like you go into destiny, you know, you've got your daily dailies to do and you can go do this and you can go do that. And you know how long that's that, going to take you. Exactly. And that's what their goal for these cards was. It's like, Oh, I've got an hour before dinner's ready. Oh, I can boot up and I can do this one activity and then I can come straight back out, which I think is actually a really, really nice and thoughtful addition. I just hope that they get used. I mean, I, I feel like they work pretty well. Like uh, my experience with them has been pretty positive overall. So anyway, that's what I've been playing. What about you, Steve? <laughs> well, as you said, mainly Fallout 4. I finished the kind of first main quest where I found um, Valentine, the detective. Um, I'm now in the process of deciding who I want to side with. So the last time I played, I sided with the Institute. This time I'm thinking I might side with the uh, Railroad or the Brotherhood of Steel, just to mix mm. it up a little bit. Um, and aside from that, I started Control today. Holy shit, that game's fucking weird. Like, have yeah, you played like, it? I have never played it. Um, I, From what I've heard, it sounds really weird, but you like so just weird. started it like a few hours ago, right? Yeah, yeah, so it came to Game Pass uh, today, I believe. So I, I booted up my Xbox. It told me, oh, Control's available. I was like, well, I was going to wait for the the next-gen version, but if it's free on Game Pass, I'll, I'll try it. And, um, and yeah, very, very, very strange game. It, like, m meshes video, like, live-motion video with gameplay in, like, really weird ways. Like, you see the actual video of the actress that's playing the main character at points. Huh. Like she just appears and it's like she's in your head or something. And and you're this this person who's like come to the Bureau of Control and all of a sudden you've been like assigned to the director. The previous one seemingly shot himself in the head and like 
you pick the gun up and you like take over where he left off and it's like really weird and you're like trying to clear out it's called that they're like infected with hiss and all these like people are just floating in the air it's a very strange game i'm gonna persist with it it's very very weird (laughs) it's like such a um such a video gamey like set up to the right like you show up and the director's dead you're the director now it's like what like honestly why? it's like she picks up the gun and then like she hears in her head what he's like saying he's like oh yeah you're you're gonna be the director now and then like um the board tell you to do stuff so like they're like talking in this muffled way it's like and they just have subtitles come up on the screen and and I ended up being transported to this weird world where it was just all black and white. And I'm like running on these like black plinths and I've got to jump and like shoot with this gun that automatically recharges. And and then I looked into I looked in the um, the controls because I was trying to see if there's a crouch button. There isn't, which really annoys me. Uh, and and I found out that A is going to let me levitate. Like it's like jump slash levitate. So I'm really looking forward to being able to levitate. That's and good. it just is so weird. And like she, you press Y and she just like smacks them back. Like she's got some telekinetic power or something. I'm looking forward to exploring this game more because I know it was on a lot of people's game of the years list last year or the year before. And um, I think I think I'm going to enjoy it. I'm just not sure yet because it's very, very strange. <laughs> very strange. <laughs> I definitely got the impression that that was one of those games that was like you either loved it or it just wasn't for you. You know, like a lot of people seem to really connect with it and other people were like, it's not even good. How could anyone put it on their game? You know, it's like one of those kind of narratives. It's kind of like when um, an artsy movie wins the Oscars and people just don't understand. And it's like, oh my God, how could you say that that was better than this like huge blockbuster that won, like got all this money that came in, et cetera, et cetera. And and I can believe that of this game because it feels very very peculiar at the moment, and sure. and it kind of fills in the similar vein to to like an artsy an art house. Yeah, a little should, bit art house. <laughs> yeah. Cool, cool. All right. Well, good. I'm glad you're enjoying it. We'll have to hear more about it next week. So uh, let's jump into uh, the mail pot real quick here before we get into our news this week, where we have a couple uh, follow up questions slash comments from last week's uh, gift guide segment. Um, so this one comes from uh, Afi, who's uh, one of our Patreon supporters. He said, hashtag gift guide book recommendation, the NES Encyclopedia and the SNES Encyclopedia by at Scully1888, which are both incredible books. I don't know who at Scully, let's, let's find out who's Scully18888. Who is this? I think it's Chris Scullion. Yes, it is. Chris Scullion. Yeah, who's a Scottish games journalist for uh, 13 years. Yeah, he used so. to write for the official Nintendo magazine in the UK, I believe, before they shut that down. Yep, yeah, you're right. So, uh, cool. So that is the NES Encyclopedia and the SNES Encyclopedia. Check that out. All right, and then uh, this one comes from Wakahulu, who's another one of our Patreon supporters. He said, I got a few sets from the Lego Super Mario collection for my son for Christmas. I'm excited. There's a starter set and many additional ones like Bowser's Castle and Mario's House and Yoshi. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, I, I am so sad that I'm too old to enjoy this. <laughs> this is we're we're like in, the, we're in the, the worst spot. Right, we're like we're we're in the only uh, unacceptable demographic for enjoying Legos, right? Because if oh, you're yeah. a child, target audience, perfect. If you're an adult and you have children, there you go. That's your in, right? I like too old for to just get Legos for myself. 
You know, like I feel like, and not even because I feel like, not that that's like a, a judgment to say like, oh, I'm too old to play with Legos. If you're playing with Legos, like God bless, whatever, whatever floats your boat. For me, it's always the financial thing of it, where I'm like, oh ah, my god, do you want? Do I really want to like, drop seventy dollars uh, on Legos when I could get a video game? You, you know, like you're, you're lucky if it's seventy dollars. I just bought Macaulay like, a massive Lego set for for Christmas, and absolutely ridiculous. And like the only Lego set I have been compelled to buy is that NES TV one. I really, oh, yeah. really like, wish I bought that, that, that NES as much TV as a one. Switch. I know it was crazy amount of money, and that's yeah, that's not uncommon for Lego sets to be that much money, right? So I just I can't I can't abide by that. Like that's just too much. It's too rich for my blood. Um, but yeah, when I have kids, like you better believe I'm buying whatever. <laughs> All they the make ones a you want. <laughs> yeah, but if they got if they got Nintendo Legos when I got a kid, that kid's getting Nintendo Legos. I'll tell you what. <laughs> All right, so let's jump into the news. Uh, the first one on the list is the first first big piece of Nintendo news. It feels like we've had in a while. Uh, where Doom Eternal is actually, finally, actually coming to Nintendo Switch after all. And it has got an official a release date of December 8th, which is tomorrow, if you're listening to this on Monday. So, or if you're listening late, it's up, it's there, go get it, you can play it right now. So, I am really, really morbidly curious about this. Oh, me too. I really want to see. Do you know what I want? Is the Digital Foundry-like comparison between, uh-huh. look how hot this looks on like an NVIDIA RTX 3080 versus Nintendo Switch. And that's terrible because I know it's a really unfair comparison. But uh, it's it's always interesting to me how much they have to strip out to cram it onto the Switch. Yeah. And I mean, by all accounts, June 2016 ran pretty well, but that's also a game that was four years older. So it's like, I don't, I have no idea how they're going to make this work. Um, but if anyone can, though, it's Panic Button. They've done magic with that console. Yeah, I'll take it. So I'm. Mean, we'll see. I, I personally, I would wait for the reviews on this one. Like, I wouldn't. I wouldn't pre-order this. Um, they've binned off the physical version as well. I believe it's it's only available digitally. So good. there's no reason to like pre-order it at this point. Yeah. So I, you know, I would say like buyer beware on that one. Like wait get confirmation from from people you trust that it that it runs okay that it works um just because uh, i don't know i i'm i'm wary about about these third party switch ports at this stage in the game so uh i don't know i hope it i hope it runs as well as doom 2016 was reported to so we'll see how that goes uh so then the next bit uh was the nintendo switch system update 11.0 is now available uh first like major update in quite some time you know, yeah like it's, a, it's not just like stability improvements and bug yeah. fixes or whatever they point usually one, say point one, point one, point yeah. one. <laughs> um so there's there's a, a good amount of new stuff here but um i i haven't really like seen much of it because i haven't really kicked on my switch since it it dropped um well like just a few days ago uh so steve what are the, oh. what are the things that you noticed the most Okay, you're going to notice immediately when you turn it on that there is this most ob- obnoxious, horrible red dot that's now on the bottom bar. It's just it's it's, it's so out of place. It's it's a solid red icon with a red, with a with the white Nintendo online logo, just always at the bottom in that bottom. Always, ice. it's just in that bar of nice icons at the bottom now. 
on the home screen. And you click on that to access all the Switch Online services rather than going through the eShop to find out all the Switch Online stuff. So they've put it in like its own separate app for the Switch Online. Mm. I mean, that's a good addition, but... But the icons, naff as hell. That sucks. Um, And then they've like added a trending section when you go up to like your user profile on the top left. So you click on there and you can see what all your friends are playing. So it's like two people have recently started playing Animal Crossing or whatever. And you can see what's like really popular. And you can click that then to go straight through to the... Um, straight through to the eShop and buy the game if you want. But the biggest thing is the fact that you can now get screenshots off of your... Um, screenshots and videos off your Switch onto your with mobile device. With QR code, right? With the wonkiest system I've ever seen. It's like, scan a QR code, and then it says, do you want to connect to this this unsecure Wi-Fi network? Yeah, okay, fine, I'll, I'll do that. And then it's like, now scan this QR code, and then it opens up like a 192.168 IP address, because it's just running like a web server on the Switch. And then it just takes you to this page that's just like a grid of the images you want. And you have to click it, opens up bigger, and then you like press and hold to like save it to your library. It's so wonky. I don't know why they didn't just like plump up the cache to automatically upload it to their servers like Microsoft and Sony do so you can get it in the mobile app. And they've come up with this really weird workaround. That's still not the case on PlayStation. That's only Microsoft. Oh, okay. Okay, well, they're one up on Microsoft, on um, yeah. Sony then, because you can at least yeah. get it off onto your phone without having to tweet it out or, or put it on Facebook. You know how or, I like, used to do it, though? Like, throw it on a USB stick. <laughs> No, how I used to do it on the PlayStation was I had, like, a separate Twitter account, and I would just post it to that, and then I would just, like, download the picture and post it on my app where I wanted it to go. I think a lot of people did that, just, like, a wonky private Twitter account that had nothing else on. Yeah, Um, I I remember the last time that I had to do that for, like, a review. Um, There wasn't an embargo on the game, so I literally just put it on my Twitter (laughs) And then, like, deleted everything and then put it up again. Because it was, like, an indie game. They didn't... They were like, whatever, it doesn't matter. Um, But, yeah, so I I thought that was funny. uh, That I was just like, okay, like, I'm going to do this and delete it and hope that nobody saw it. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, if you want to get it off onto your computer, you can now actually just plug the Switch in with a USB cable as well. And it will just let you transfer it off. It, like, mounts it as a drive. Um, And then there's a couple of other small, like... um, nice improvements you can name like uh, button preset maps so if you had like one that you liked for smash one you liked for mario kart you can name them and then switch between them and um, you can also prioritize what downloads you want if there's like multiple downloading in a specific order and they've added a bunch of like mario 35th anniversary uh, avatars which i joked yeah, 12, on twitter 12 new icons again yeah I, I i joked on twitter are they going away on the 31st of uh, march as well or is it just the games that's good um the other thing i saw was that there's a new uh save data thing with the with clouds with automatic backups where if you have two switches in rotation you can oh yeah the uh, the whole basically like, if you have a switch light and a switch proper yeah but it seems like they might be preparing for like a home switch which i'm hopeful for I mean, either way, that was something that we talked about wanting when they announced the Switch Lite, and that was, like, the primary reason both of us were like, I wouldn't buy one. Um, So pretty cool to see that they closed that loop with this update. So, yeah, lots here. Lots that came out of this one. Um, And and lots of good stuff, too. Like, stuff that I think, like, meaningfully is, like, making certain user experiences better and easier. So, like, that's, that's always good to see. Okay. 
And now we have to take us into uh, a very special piece of news, but one that just bums me out to my very core. Uh, <laughs> Steve hit me out, or St- Steve hit me up rather right before the show uh, started and was like, "Hey, um, you know, I think we should put this in the news this week. You know, we've been we've been cheating." These last couple weeks, we've been increasingly injecting a little bit of non-Nintendo stuff, non-platform news or uh, reviews into the show. So I think uh, in in the spirit of that, uh, we decided to throw this in the news this week as well, which is that uh, Casey Hudson and Mark Dura are both leaving Bioware as of today, uh, Thursday, December 3rd. Like I said, minutes before we decided to – or not decided, before we would start recording – um, was when this news first went live. And it, it happened uh, via a blog post from uh, Laura Miel, who's the chief studios officer at EA, and then two, uh, which linked to two different blog posts from Casey Hudson and Mark Dura. Uh, if you don't know, um, Casey Hudson is the GM of BioWare. He'd been there for, I don't know, like basically since the beginning um, and left briefly. Uh, from like 2014 to 2017. Yeah, he, he like left midway through Andromeda's development and then came back to finish it off kind of thing, I believe. I think, I, I'm not quite sure. I think that there's some truth to that, but I know he also was like, I think he came back and was slightly involved with like landing the plane on Anthem. There's been so much movement there. I don't oh, quite yeah, there was remember. Anthem. And then I, I remember that Anthem wasn't even out. And then he, he came up on um, stage at the game awards and was like, and we're announcing Dragon Age four. And it was like, holy shit. Like you're just forgetting the fact that your studio is about to put out a huge game and you've got nothing to say about it. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, you know, he, so he had left and returned, but he's like a long, long time veteran of the company. And then Mark Dura, I actually feel like I was just talking about him on the show not that long ago um, when we were talking about Dragon Age and like my kind of hopes for it. Probably was after Dark, but um, Mark Dura has been like kind of the the head of Dragon Age like basically forever. Um, and he, he was the executive producer on, on the upcoming Dragon Age. Uh, so both of them leaving at the same time, you know, like key, key leadership roles, um, both behind the scenes and, and you know, creatively. Um, insane news, troubling news to me, a, a Bioware fan. Um, and, and like... I don't know. It's it's tough. It's tough. And I, I know you have stuff to say about like their statements and how it kind of reads to you. And I feel like I feel like there's kind of two ways that you can read this whole situation. And I don't know I don't know. I don't know what to make of it specifically because I think like there are things in both of their statements that read very much like Okay, this is like a this is a PR like nice way to say certain things, but then there are also some mm-hmm. things that they say that I think just feel like they ring true in terms of some of their motivations and and you know, um, so I don't know. So before I go on my whole soapbox about this, like, what do you think about this, Steve? What's your read, and what are some of the points that you wanted to throw out? Yeah, my my read is that um, these two are going off to do something together. And, and I kind of see that they're either going to a different studio together or they're going to start something new together. 
Uh, I can't see that two people at this level would leave at the same time and put out joint, essentially joint statements. Casey Hudson's statement is very, very weird. It's like, I'm retiring, but only from the studio. Whereas, like, Mark's statement is very much like this was a really difficult decision, and he's also said that he's retiring from his position. It seems like the PR people really wanted them to use that word retire rather than resign, because I think that's essentially what this was. It was a resignation. They, My guess is they clashed with upper management, and some decisions were not what they wanted, uh, and so they decided... It's time for us to go, and maybe they they figured out they figured let's do something together, and away they go. I mean, I'm interested to find out more. If anyone's going to find out more, it's going to be Jason Schreier. He's said on Twitter he's digging into it at the moment, so I'm sure we'll find out something sooner yeah. rather than later. Um, I'm very much looking forward to to hearing his follow up there because I don't know because I think um, what you're saying is I, I I think that narrative makes sense, right? I guess my question is just like. Is it that simple? Because it could be, but it doesn't necessarily mean that it is. Because, like, the whole retire retirement language, right? Like, I think that could easily be construed the way that you're putting it forward. But it could also just be factual in terms of the fact that, like, They've been at the studio for like 23 years. Uh, or Mark Duras has been there for 23 years. And Casey Hudson's, I think, been there for like 20. Um, so, you know, that's that's a really, really long time to be in, in one position. Um, or not even one position, but to be at one company, right? And the idea of them stepping away from that and not necessarily like never making games again, but like maybe not working at a triple a studio again. Um, I could understand calling that a retirement, particularly if they did come to this conclusion um, together in some way, you know, if they were like, you know, read that, read those statements and exactly what they've said. Like if you read it as I've made the decision to resign from the studio and make way for the next generation of studio leaders. It reads way better than retire. The same as Mark's, I've decided to resign from my position at Bioware. It really feels like someone swapped out that word to me. It's possible, but that could also just be speculation. It's certainly speculation. I know nothing. I I know nothing. That's that's my, my entire point there is I'm just playing devil's advocate, right? Where like, it could be that they're both... They both have a reverence for the studio and like feel some attachment to it because they've been there for so long. Like they, you know, like when Reggie left Nintendo, he said he was retiring from his position as. I I, I believe that was how it was framed. Oh yeah, he you know, did that retire he was, though. But like he 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 retired as the CEO. He hasn't gone on to be another CEO somewhere. Like if these guys no, are but retiring, like but he hasn't. He also hasn't retired, right? Like. He he's still working like he isn't a CEO at another company, but he has several positions on different boards and he's Mm -hmm. still working. So he didn't really retire, but he retired from Nintendo. He left that position at Nintendo. And I I think that there is a good chance that they're using that language in the same way because they are going to do something different now. Right. Like I know Casey uh, in his statement, he said Let's see. He had a thing about... Okay, he said, 
For me, it's been the realization that I still have a tremendous energy to create, but also that I need to try something different. I'm not sure exactly what that is yet, but I know that I want to start by rediscovering my creative passion through more personal work, right? So like, to me, that could mean, okay, I'm going to leave AAA development and start an indie studio. That could mean I'm going to leave video game development entirely and go do something else. I don't think it means that. I mean, it could also mean that he had an idea of something he pitched and and really wanted to push forward, but they were just like, no, you're working on, you're the Mass Effect, Dragon Age, Anthem Studio, and that's all you're working on. Well, yeah, right. But I mean, like, right, like, like, what does he say here? He says, I still have tremendous energy to create, but I need to try something different. That's vague. That could mean anything. It could mean that there was an idea that he wanted to push forward that didn't work out. But it could also just mean that he's tired of working in an environment where he has to he's a general manager of hundreds of people. You know, like that's a lot of pressure and a lot of work. And you've been doing something at that level for that long. Like I I'm not saying that what you're saying is wrong. I'm saying that there are a lot of ways you could interpret this. And it could be a there's drama between them and upper management. And I think that that's like the easy answer because it's EA and that's like what we always assume is the case. And it's been the case in a lot of examples, right? So could be. Um, But I mean, like you brought up Jason, like think about Jason's book in the chapter about Inquisition and some of the stuff they ran into. And like the problems were interior. They weren't from top down. They weren't because EA was pressing them and not giving them enough resources or being money hungry. It was, yeah. But then the stuff with Anthem was very much different. And all of those issues did seem to come from EA really wanting to push for this. We want to do games as a service. This is how we're going to make our money. And that was obviously at odds with what Casey wanted. And he left the studio and he didn't come back until Anthem was already way under development. Right. And I I mean, there's that report that Jason did a while ago about Dragon Age 4 and how tortured its development's been. It's been restarted like twice. And it was going to be a game. It was going to be a traditional Dragon Age game. And I've talked about how it was going to like do everything that I wanted it to do. And they scrapped that. We're going to do a games as service. And they scrapped that again. And now they're working on the one that we saw recently and that, you know, Mark Dura was working on and on all that. So it's like. I guess I guess the point, the takeaway there is that it could be either or, right? It could be them clashing with upper management. It could be them as 20-year veterans deciding that they're ready to do something else, either together, independently, whatever it is. Like there's 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 so much here that can be taken away from it that like it's kind of hard to do anything but just kind of spitball. Um, and I think the question then is like, what does it mean for these games? What does it mean for the games that they were working on? And, you know, how are they going to play out? And that is, you know, ultimately the thing I care about the most, you know, yeah. like I, both of these guys are incredible uh incredible developers and you know i i love the work that they've done at bioware and i absolutely wish them the best in whatever they decide to do next i'm sure whatever it is will be good um what i'm not so sure about is what the next dragon age and mass effect games look like you know and well, i mean they haven't even touched on the new mass effect it's they've just said that legendary edition is still continuing down its path cycle which we no, no, assumed they, right they they mentioned here as well uh i believe it's in Casey's. Is it in Laura's statement? 
Is it in Laura's statement? I believe it may be, yeah. Uh, I mean, she said, we recently announced Mass Effect Legendary Edition and Mark Gamble is leading a team that's hard at work on that franchise's future. Well, and then in uh, Casey's statement, it says, and on N7 Day, we announced Mass Effect the Legendary Edition and gave a hint at what's coming next in the Mass Effect universe. It's an exciting time, both in projects you've heard about and some things not yet announced. So, yeah. So they, the team that they mentioned here... Um, so Christian Daly is going to be taking over Mark's position as the executive producer on Dragon Age, and he came over from Blizzard uh, to Bioware fairly recently. And then with Mass Effect, um, let me see. I forget. They had the guy's name here. Mark Gamble, I think. He's, he's, uh, I just read it out. He's leading the team that's, that's okay. working on... Thank you. ...on... Um, He's leading the team that's working on the Legendary Edition, and then I th- presume he's he's taken over that entire franchise. And it says that right. they're actively looking for a new general manager to replace Casey. Yeah, yeah, that's it. And, um, yeah, and then, like, there's supposed to be this team of, you know, seasoned Mass Effect developers on the Mass Effect team. And and the same is, is the case for the Dragon Age team. And there was two things in Mark's statement that I wanted to call out that I thought were were interesting. Um, and they're, they're things that I really hope are true. So he said, this has been a very difficult decision for me. The team of amazing developers on Dragon Age make my life fuller and better. They have taught me so much. But the strength of the team is also uh, what makes this possible. I know that Dragon Age won't just survive without me. It will thrive. This year has been transformative to the way we do everything, the way we work, the way we socialize. These are the things that have changed. Some of these changes are temporaries, but others will remain forever. I believe that this gives an opportunity to bring in new voices, to reimagine how we work, to strengthen how we tell stories. Um... Oh, no, I'm sorry. I jumped. Uh, there was one other paragraph here uh, in between. It says, Bioware has always been about telling emotional stories through characters. We have wandered away from this central guiding pillar at times, but I am confident that the next Dragon Age will show you what that we remain committed to this kind of game. We will have a lot to show you. And, like, that's what I want to hear, you know? If, if that's true, um, maybe this is just what it is, and it's... These two veterans of the studio ready to move on and... But at the same time, Anna really abruptly just, like, putting out a statement <sighs> on, like, a Thursday and there's no... Like, if they were going to do this and this was planned, wouldn't they have done it on N7 Day? Like, oh, and by the way, you know, I'm passing on the gauntlet to Mark. He's he's running a great team. I'm really pleased with everything he's doing on the new Mass Effect. You're going to mm. think it's fantastic. I don't know, because I think you don't necessarily want to drag that day down with bad news or with news that people are going to construe as bad no matter what. Yeah, fair, fair enough. But I think you would have planned it out a little bit better. Maybe you'd have like a video statement or some kind of announcement. And like if this was really a I'm moving on and it's like totally amicable, you'd wait until the new general manager had been found and announced you know, like Reggie, when they announced yeah. his retirement, we knew Doug Bowser had been like <laughs> waiting for that position for like t- ten years or whatever at this rate, and he 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 was like ready to like get the keys to to the castle. You yeah. know, they had that whole cutesy statement and then that video and like goodbye Reggie and all of that stuff was like all prepped and and prepared. This is just like two blog, three blog posts, and see you out the door. To be fair, this is how Bioware generally announces information. Like, the Bioware blog is, like, 
where they have typically made this kind of announcement and that's been how they've done it. Um, but you, I guess you could also make the argument that there's been drama surrounding some of those exits. So who's to say? Um, yeah, I don't know. Like, I think the reality is that where there's smoke, there's probably fire, right? There's probably a story here. It's just a matter of what is the story, you know? Um, so I hope that Jason figures it out because I'm talking about <laughs> the bit. I'm sure he will. You know, I bet by Monday when this goes out, everyone's like screaming and they already know exactly what went yeah, down probably. and what happened. And Casey's, Casey and Mark have probably already announced what they're, they're doing next. And it's all just speculation. But we'll leave it in anyway because I'm interested to see if any of the bits that we said were were on the money at all. <laughs> Sounds good. All right, before we get out of here, we're going to hop into the mail pot. We got a couple questions for you guys. Uh, this is one that we we got after we sat down to record the last uh, the episode around Thanksgiving. So this one comes from our own Chewy. He says, who is the tastiest Nintendo character to serve for Thanksgiving? I think let's adjust that. We'll say, who would you serve for, for Christmas roast? You know? uh, die. Solid. I was ori- my Mine originally went to a Yoshi, but a Birdo might be better. I just think, you know, it's the traditional. You know, you you want a bird for Christmas or Thanksgiving. <laughs> Why not Birdo? Why not Birdo? That sounds good. I'll, we'll, we'll go with that. One of the two. Uh, this next one comes from Trendy Brandy, who says, What do you think will be the next Switch port with an expiration date? I.e. 3D All-Stars, Fire Emblem NES. I think Pokemon Red, Blue, Green, and Yellow would be prime candidates given their 25th anniversary in 2021. I also think that they'd have some Pokemon Home connectivity, but the idea of ports being unobtainable after a certain date sucks. And I think the business, I think business decisions that suck would totally line up with the monkey's paw wish of Gen 1 on Switch. I think that's a great, uh, a great guess. Yeah. Uh, the one I can see, though, is an anniversary collection of Zelda. We've mentioned it before on the on the show. And I really think with the 35th anniversary of Zelda coming up next year, I think that's going to overshadow Pokemon's 25th anniversary, unfortunately. Even though they're like uh, the line on the same year, I think Nintendo's going to make more of a fanfare about Zelda than they are of Pokemon, especially with Breath of the Wild 2 potentially in the uh, in the pipeline. I think the thing is they don't need to make it one or the other. You know, I think, like, Nintendo doesn't really control Pokemon. Oh, yeah, know? we've like, already seen that Pokemon's announced what they're doing. There's that cool Pikachu logo with the two and the yeah. five for his uh, cheeks. Right. So I think, like, that's, you know, I, I, I think either of them is possible. I think if it is, if it's the Pokemon route, it probably won't be. Uh, a limited release because I imagine the Pokemon company would be all gung ho about leaving it. Yeah, they're like, w- they're like, why would we? Why would we stop printing money? Like, why so, yeah, why don't do we that? just print money forever? Though? <laughs> just- <laughs> uh, so yeah, I think Zelda is probably the most likely candidate. We'll see what happens. I just I don't want it. I don't want any of them to go away. It still makes no sense to me. But if it has to be the Nintendo way, then it would prob- probably be Zelda. Yeah, you asked the question, right? That's the answer, whether it's good or not. Uh, and there's another one from Trendy Brandy. He says, imagine first-party Switch games have always cost $70. Are any games worth it? I think maybe Breath of the Wild and Smash Bros. are, but even then, it's such an unappetizing price point. Yeah. The thing is, though, like, if they've... If they would have continued with the route after the N64, they would have been $70, wouldn't they? Like that yeah. That's where they were going. 
I think it's funny. I feel like every time we talk about how much games cost, I come off like, I'm like, yeah, video games should cost $100. Like, fuck you, whatever. <laughs> but that's like not my attitude. But I'm I'm always so surprised by how much sticker shock people have that it went up $10 because when we were when we were kids, when we were young, that's like what they like N64 games, there were some that cost $70. Like we Donkey went, Kong 64. We adults we didn't right. pay for it it wasn't real money to us santa brought those to us and it's like sure we never experienced how much this shit costs and why we had so few games when we were kids don't get me wrong i get it it's just like you know or like street fighter was like 70 bucks on the super nintendo in the 80s so that's a lot of fucking money so like yeah it's just funny to me, like, video games have only gotten cheaper over time, and then, like, the steady crawl back up that we've been seeing over the last couple of years, like, we haven't seen an increase in the cost of games, at least in the States, since the GameCube, uh, PS2, Xbox era. Yeah, I think we saw one 360 era. But Nintendo, like, the one thing that's different with Nintendo than any other game is they never go down in price. So I think they can maintain a $60 price point because they know that Breath of the Wild is always going to sell at $60 throughout the whole of the lifespan of that console rather than, right, it's going to be $70 for a year and then it's going to plummet down to 30 and then within like four years it's going to be like $10 and it will chuck it in like a PlayStation Classics collection. Yeah, and and I think... I think that's going to matter a lot. I think that's going to be a huge question in the next couple of years is what does Nintendo do? Because historically, when the cost of games has gone up, Nintendo bumps the price of their games up. Um, So I wouldn't put it past them to try to start charging $70 for some of their games. But my thing is some of their games, I think, are worth AAA prices. Some are not. They, They do have that two price point. You know, like Pikmin was priced lower than Breath of the Wild. Only $10 lower, but it was lower. And like but, that but got most down games, on Black Friday down to like 35 quid. Like you know, most games I think a, don't do that though. Like Pikmin was a unique example in that. Like think about like... Pikmin, like was, Donkey Kong, was Xenoblade $50? I don't think so. But like a lot of their, a lot of their smaller... I guess they would consider them like double A titles or that, you know, like but Donkey like, Kong Tropical Freeze, for example, was down at like 50. Th- that was 50. Cause like, I'm pretty sure like Kirby star allies was $60. Yeah. That was a, I think they considered that a brand new game. I don't, I, I mean, don't know. It maybe, is. maybe they're doing like the ports. No, they're not. Cause, cause I, like, the th- Mario I think Kart the thing is, like, is that price. it's not consistent. <laughs> It's like arbitrary. And like, how much can we get for this? Is I think where they land it. Yeah, it's like, I, I will agree. people pay seventy dollars for this? Will people pay seventy dollars for Breath of the Wild Two? Yes, they will. And and if that happens, then that happens. I don't want it to. And I think like with the Switch, like I I bought some of those games early on. Like I bought Star Allies for like sixty dollars. I bought those games because I was hungry for new software. But now it's like, like I didn't buy Luigi's Mansion 3 because I was like, I don't know that this is worth $60. I think and that like, one retailed it cheaper as well. I don't think it did. Let me have a look. You, you carry on your thought. I'm looking at it. So my, my point is Zelda, Smash, Mario Odyssey, games of that ilk, of that of Fire Emblem, those are games that I felt like were worth $60. There are certain games that they charge full, like, box price for. Like, I don't even know if Pokemon should have been $60, right? Like, they added new stuff. 
they they definitely like up to the quality in in a lot of ways but like probably would have been a, a lot more comfortable with that at $50 than at 60. And the idea of like a game like Pokemon being 70 and then them selling me DLC after the fact or the idea of like a Kirby or a Yoshi or one of these other like smaller double A titles being $70, I would never buy them again because a, that's way too much money, and I already feel like I'm getting like squeezed a little bit at 60 let alone the fact that, to your point, the price has never come down. So when am I going to play those games? You know, like, wait until years later, like Luigi's Mansion, when it's on sale now, and it's like, all right, but, like, I missed it when it was on sale on Black Friday, so I couldn't grab it. I'm not going to pay for it again at $60. So, like, okay, that was my window. I probably won't play the game now. So I've done a bit of research. Luigi's Mansion was fifty pounds in the UK, whereas Breath of the Wild retails for sixty, according to Nintendo. I've never seen it for that price on cartridge for sixty. Um, I think they're games, both sixty here. Games like uh, Mario Kart are also sixty. Uh, Mario Odyssey was sixty, but Splatoon was fifty. Luigi's Mansion was fifth uh, was fifty. They're smaller games. That I don't think mm. they consider to be there. They're like staples. I guess they now include Xenoblade up there as one of their like heavy hitting console selling games that they've probably invested a lot of money into. And that's why they charge 60 quid for it. Well, this is another example of how you as a UK purchaser have been extremely blessed and that the the cost of games going up so high for you guys now feels like just desserts a little bit to me because all those games are $60. I'm looking at Luigi's Ranch on Nintendo.com right now. 60 bucks, not 50 so maybe we just wouldn't buy it like i don't know maybe they do like market research will america buy luigi's mansion probably will the yeah. uk maybe not let's see Splatoon i don't know two sixty dollars yeah i'm definitely right every every boxed game is 60 bucks so uh well okay. not indies you know what i mean so yeah i i don't know i think a lot less of those games are worth it at 70 dollars. i think that's for sure um so i i hope that nintendo's careful with that price point because I think of Nintendo games, like I I've said, I'm okay with spending $70 on a PS five or an Xbox series X game. If it lives up to the hype. Um, I don't understand. Like I just spent 42 pounds on cyberpunk. Seemingly mm -hmm. that's like the most expensive game ever made at this point. I don't know how long and how much they pumped into that, but like I got it for 42 pounds. I'd have happily paid 50, 55, 60. Mm -hmm. But it goes above that and it's like 70. It's like, fuck, that's a lot of money. You know, I could get like two games or like three used games for that price. It really yeah. makes you think. Yeah, I mean, you're. I, I definitely think I'm going to be choosier about what games I get at launch this generation. And I think I'm going to try to be more comfortable with playing games when they're not in the conversation, you know? Um but that's the thing, like, you don't have, like you said, with Nintendo games, you don't have that option, right? Like, you're going to pay full price or you're going to pay full price, probably. Or <laughs> yeah. you're going to be, you'll get a sale if you're really lucky. Oh, yeah, so like the Black I, Friday sale is, like, the only time they discount a Nintendo game. I mean, And yeah, even then, something. Breath of the Wild didn't get discounted this year. It was just um, the other Zelda one, Link to Link's Awakening. Yeah. So... We shall, sh we shall see, I guess. 
All right, so this next one comes from that doc guy, another one of our Patreon supporters, who says, Drawn to Life is getting a new entry in the series. Did either of you guys play it? And if so, are you excited? Never played it. I had to Google it. Looks like Pete's also Googling it, but it looks fucking cool. I actually am excited about having seen this. What? And, and I want to play it. It was a DS game, Pete. It looks like super familiar, but I. It don't... looks a bit like Scribble Notes, like stuff comes to That's life. That's what I was and... thinking of. Yeah. That's what I was thinking of. I have played Scribble Knots and Drawn to Life. I think I've just heard of, because that I was like, that sounds super familiar, um, and I recognize the box, but like I'm looking at screenshots of it, and I'm like, I've not played this. This does not look like something I've done. Um, so I haven't played it, but in terms of being excited, Steve, you said it looks. You're interested in it. Yeah, I mean, it looks cool. Uh, I've never played them, so I can't get, like, super excited about it. Sure. And I would imagine it's going to be, like, a THQ Nordic game, because it was previously a THQ game. So, you know, they're they're a mixed bag over there. Um, But we'll we'll see. I mean, I'll keep my eye on it. Doc, make sure you write in and give us your, um, like, review from a drawn-to-life veteran when it does release. Because I'm going to keep my eye on this one. So the, ne- the new one is called Drawn to Life Two Realms, it looks like. I'm seeing it on Steam. Plan re- planned release date, December 7th, so right around the corner. What platform so yeah, is it coming to? Uh, I mean, it's, I'm looking at it on Steam. I don't... Oh, uh, It looks like it's coming to Switch, uh, Windows, Android, and iOS. Cool. Yeah, so let us know how it is, Doc. If, if, uh, if you give me the thumbs up, maybe I'll check it out. All right, this next one comes from Wakahula, another one of our Patreon supporters, and he asks, how's your time off been so far, Steve, and when was the last time you touched a Switch? You know, Wakahula, sadly, I've been back at work for the last two weeks. Um, we didn't get any t- We don't have Thanksgiving here, so I got no time off over that, that period, but I'm counting down. So as you hear this, I have this week and next week, and then I'm, I'm gone for two weeks, two weeks of, like, Beautiful. bliss and video games and relaxing and eating too much food i can't wait and yeah i haven't played my switch that much i will i will grant you that but i did play some stardew i've played it more than peaks i at least updated my switch so i could talk about it on this week's show dude i like <laughs> I, I have i went from like peak switch usage to absolute plummet like this in this year like playing it eight hours a day with animal crossing and now i'm just like I got nothing. I'm just yeah, playing, playing, all, playing these new boxes. Hey, maybe maybe you could finally get back to that uh, that Pokemon expansion that you've been telling everyone you're going to have hot takes about at some point. Then, uh, <laughs> One, of these days. <laughs> One of these those, days. Those, those hot takes are getting suspiciously cool over there. They're just like, you know. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm too busy playing a game from 2017 right now, Steve, okay? <laughs> <laughs> You guys want to hear me talk next week about uh, some other PlayStation 4 game that I'm replaying? <laughs> pop, pop GTA 5 in. It's, you know, spanning over like four generations at this point. We really want to hear your, uh, hear your takes on that. Yeah. Well, that with how things are going uh, over at Bioware, I don't know. It's got me thinking more and more about <laughs> replaying, replaying Dragon Age Origins. So maybe it's maybe maybe I'll give you some hot takes about that 10-year-old game. How about that? <laughs> Jesus, wait, that's older than 10 years, isn't it? God, I'm 100 years old, aren't I, Steve? Let's find How out. How old is it? Like, no, Let's don't say that. 2008, I bet. 2009, okay. 
Great. So 11, 11 years. years. Well, yeah. fucking dinosaur. I'm a dinosaur yeah. kid. Well, you know, it makes me feel super old when I realized then that Macaulay was nine. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. We're 100. We're so old. Okay. <laughs> uh, this next one comes from Bear underscore BZ, who I'm pretty sure is our pal Mega Man from the Twitch, the Twitch chat. Um, so... Bear Bear Beezy says, with Kratos and Master Chief leaked for Fortnite, which Nintendo character do y'all think we'll see in the game? I mean, I feel like the obvious answer is, like, the Mario cast. No way. It's not happening. They no? will never give Mario a gun that looks like a gun. They they, they made Splatoon they gave, based on they Mario. Gave, but they gave, like, cute... No, Splatoon wasn't based on Mario. I and thought it like, was originally. No. It was, like, Rabbits. Uh, I've got I a concept that, art over here. One second. I thought I thought that the original prototype was with Mario characters, though. Oh no, we're looking up a lot of stuff this episode. This is the concept art. It was originally rabbits, and they they borrowed to um to like redo their ink and stuff. I, like, I remember that, but... The original prototype was just blocks. It was just, like, cubes. Because I went oh, to this really cool exhibition um, in London. I can't remember what it was called. And they had all the, like, Splatoon, like, videos of, like, them playing the, like, concept game and all mm. that stuff. I don't know. I guess I must be thinking of something else. Don't they have guns in the Mario plus Rabbids game? They do, but they're, like, cutesy guns that don't kill people. You know, in Fortnite, you're, like, blowing someone's brains out with a double-barrel shotgun. Not really, though. It's, like, cartoony. I, I don't know. think it's happening. I think you're most likely getting, like, Splatoon characters in there, like, Inklings and... That would make sense. Octolings. Is- and then they, like, tie that in with Splatoon 3. That would be crazy. That would be crazy. Maybe. We'll see. Okay. I like. I like where your head's at. Uh, all right, so to wrap it up, we got a couple from the Twitter real quick. This is another one from Affy, another uh, another one of our Patreon supporters, who says, with all the video game TV shows that are happening, The Witcher, etc., what franchise would you like to see as a TV show? Bonus points if Pete doesn't pick Mass Effect. Um, Maybe that's I, what Casey's doing. He's leaving to start a TV studio <laughs> so he can the- make a Mass Effect TV series that he's always wanted to do. That would be hilarious. Um, I don't even think I would really, like, I don't think that would be my go-to, uh, Mass Effect or Dragon Age, because, like, as a TV show, it would have to be, like, an HBO, like, big-budget thing for it to work. Oh, I'm assuming these are all going on Netflix. You know, Afi mentioned The Witcher. They're all going straight on Netflix. They've got, like, the, the most budget you could expensive. want. I don't know. That's technically a book adaption, though. It's based on the books. Oh, right? yeah, it is. I'm just yeah. saying. It's influenced by the games, but... Um, hmm... Okay, I mean, so he not... looks like Geralt from the games, so he 100% is. Yeah, yeah, totally. I, I want to get to, like, I, the one I really want is already in progress at Netflix, so it's like a cheat and it's already happening, and that's Resident Evil, because I love those movies, as cheesy as they are, and I think that that, that franchise can have some serious um, some serious stories to be told with, with a TV series over at Netflix. That's the one, it's, it's the same producer as the Castlevania series, right? I don't know. I think it is. Maybe. I think it's uh, Addy Shanker, I think is his name. Um, he's great. Hmm. 
Yeah, I don't know. Like, I, uh... It's tough, because, like, there's so many video games with, like, great stories and great iconography and, and things that, like, are really cool, but I don't know. Like, I feel like it's tough sometimes. Like, I think the reason video games don't translate very well to other mediums is, like, because the experience is so it's such a big part of it, you know, and that like a lot of the yeah, story you, you want to control it, you want to be like, and especially in Mass Effect, you want to like make the choices. And if right. someone in that in that show makes a choice that you wouldn't agree with, that you know in the in the game you'd have chosen something differently, I think you just get annoyed. Yeah, so it's like, do you do you try to retell the story of an existing game or franchise or whatever, and and like you know get it right in this medium? Or do you do something that's like its own story? It's, just, it's tough, you know. Like, I think I, 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 I like to think um, you would you would take the world and you would tell a different story. And that seems to be what they're doing with the HBO adaptation of The Last of Us. It's like it's in that like world, but it's got mixture. those characters, but it's a different story and a different angle that you didn't know about. It's like a a blend. It's a fusion of both yeah. of those. Hmm. Because I don't know, I, I think I've mentioned this before, but I, I like the, I've always liked the idea of, of a Metroid show or like animated yeah. thing that's like has no dialogue or almost no dialogue, you know, and it's like, oh, very that would feel l- so like alone. It, well, that would be yeah. really good. Like you're so isolated. And I, that's like what it should feel like. Right. And like, and I think that would be really cool. You know, if it was like one of those like classic, you know, um, like in that era of like Disney movies when like everybody was like overseas for the war. So it's like they did all these musicals where there's no dialogue and it's all just music like to score. The, like, I think that would be really like cool. Fantasia. <laughs> yeah. Like basically just make like a Metroid movie. That's like an hour, hour and a half long, like, you know, music video basically. And like, not that cool. music is like the focus, but like you really let the, the art and the, the, you know, the vibe of it kind of tell the story more so than like, Samus being like, oh, no, I got to go in here and do this thing. I've always thought that would be cool. Yeah, two others I, I've just thought of, and it could just be, you know, because of faith and in fairly recent memory. Bioshock, I think Rapture is such an amazing world, and you could do so much with it. And I'd love to see it before it kind of all broke down. A, sh- a TV show about the fall of Rapture would be really cool, actually. And And that way you're not going over what you already know. But I'd love to see how it got to the place where it is. And Fallout, I think you could do a lot with that. Uh, maybe someone uncovering what vault Tech's really up to and uh, all of the experiments that they played on people and all the various different vaults and seeing that. Or even just like life in a vault. I think that could be a really cool cool way of doing it. What's cool about Fallout is that you could also just... You could just- tell a new story like you could you could yeah. tell a story like it's like um it's got you the new same Vegas it and you just like take it somewhere different yeah you've got this it's the same strength of uh of like the walking dead universe how they can do like a million spinoffs because it's like what if we just do this in a different place you know like the original few fallouts <laughs> yeah, are like yeah. in the like california like Los uh nevada it's like, area it's in seattle and then it moves they i think they went west for new vegas and then came back to like Seattle, but the one, two, and three were were they in California? Well, west Seattle's coast? Seattle's on the west coast as well, right? Um, okay, I think it's I think it's Fallout Three that was the first one that like went east somewhere coast. east coast. Yeah, that was in Washington. Um, yeah, and then Fallout Four was in like the Massachusetts area, right? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, because that's the institute, which is MIT essentially. Yeah, so it's like you could easily just be like, okay, now we're in Texas, 
Okay, okay, now we're in, I don't know. I really want to get away. What I want Fallout to do is get the fuck away from the Americana stuff that I know is, like, so ingrained in it now since Bethesda took over. But holy shit, I would love one set in the UK and just do, like, a, like old-style 1950s war music from the UK yeah. and all of that stuff. You could do that here. Like, it would be different, but I think it would be fun and, and it could it could be really cool. I, I think I think that that is kind of like a missed opportunity, you know. Like, there's the the obviously the rest of the world has to exist and be doing something, you know. Like, or even like China, right? Like, isn't the other world power that the nuclear war? Yeah. It's like America and China. Like, what, like what's going on in China? Like, do we fucking obliterate? the entire like entirety of asia i don't think so right so like what's going on over there like i i feel like that is something that i I would like to see franchises like that take advantage of and like if they're not going to do it in a game that would be a cool thing to maybe do in a tv show they could like um (laughs) they could uh they could like chernobyl it where it's like it's in China, but everybody just has a British accent. <laughs> oh god, yeah, I know. I love that show though. That's such a good show. Oh, it was great. It was just a really weird choice to make everybody have a British accent. It was, but whatever. Uh, this <laughs> next one comes from uh, Chris Brandrick over on Twitter. He says, "What is your switch hidden gem of the year?" For me, I had a look through. There's been so few indie games I've played this year that haven't been. Like hot, hot, yeah. Like yeah. Spirit Fairer, for example. Um, but for me, and one I will continue to fight for is Hypnospace Outlaw. You should 100% play that game. I love it. Yeah. Um, that and and Carrion, but I think Carrion was like pretty well eh. like announced and stuff. But maybe yeah, that's I, maybe that's a I bit. I feel of like a that's a gem. smaller game. Um, I have a, a even worse answer for this, and I, I feel like I said this on a recent episode, but it's like Pikmin Three. I feel like people did not play that game because of when it came out. So go play Pikmin Three, everybody. Especially if you're in the UK and it's fucking ten dollars cheaper. <laughs> hey, well, it got down to like thirty-five pounds on Black Friday. It's a steal. I may have I may have sent the link to a few people in my family and said, "Hey, do you need to buy something for me for my Chris- for Christmas or my birthday? This may be something good that I would like." Very nice. All right, uh, last questions of the day are going to be given to our buddy Parker Deal of the Fanatics Four podcast. Uh, thanks for writing in, Parker, who said, "Come up with your best blankception. Something inventive but exciting. A cake in a cake in a cake. A hat in a hat in a hat." It's got to be somewhat feasible and at least three levels deep. Parker, returning with one of these just ridiculous fucking hypothetical questions. Yeah. Just absolute insanity. Do you guys have passed the parcel in America? All right. You know what? This is already sounding like a thing we should talk about on After Dark. Is where is you because you're bringing up a thing you're bringing up some (laughs) British thing I don't know about. This is like a deep thought experiment. Do we just bin this for After Dark? All right. Okay. Yeah. Let's do this in. Let's do this in After Dark then, and, right. and we'll we'll make that the number one thing we come back and we and I'll I'll tell you all about Bucks Fizz, more Bucks Fizz stuff, and then that's we'll, later. About, that's after this. We're gonna start t- with the Parker thing. <laughs> I'll tell you about um, uh, past the parcel. Okay. Great. So uh, <laughs> Parker's other question was in the Nintendo sphere. What has been your favorite Nintendo published game this Animal year? Animal Crossing. Animal Crossing. Easy answer. Yeah. Um, runner up for me 
probably Pikmin three. Did you did yeah. you play Xenoblade at all? No. Didn't play Mar- Paper Mario either. It's kind of a short Shit, list. I completely forgot Paper Mario even came out this year. Like, I just <laughs> skipped over that. It's like, oh, there was a new Mario game. Yeah, there's plenty. Plenty. I mean, the, the, the 3D All-Stars was good, but they weren't new. Yeah. So it really is Animal Crossing for me. I think even even if it was, I mean, obviously, even if it wasn't, wasn't new, even if it was new, then then no way it would still go to Animal Crossing. That's my game of the year period. Probably, so. yeah, yeah. So I think that's an easy answer. All right, so thank you to everybody who wrote in for this week's ep- uh, this week's mail pot within this week's episode of the podcast is what I was trying to say. Thank you. Uh, if you want to get your thoughts right on next week's show, remember you can hit me up in a number of ways. You can write to me at Pete at Lupots.com. You can come join our discord where our ever growing community of pots heads, just like you are there talking about video games, helping each other find next gen consoles, all kinds of good stuff. Uh, so we hope you'll come become a part of that community. Come chat with Steve and I, we're always in there hanging out and uh, get your questions in for the show. We'd love to hear from you. And then, of course, you can also go follow us at LootPots on Twitter and get your thoughts in on our weekly Twitter thread, just like a couple of these folks did. Um, so, yeah, however you want to get in touch, go get in touch. We'd love to hear from you. We're out there. We're making content for you. Wherever you get your video game content, we're on YouTube. Remember to go to the brand new podcast channel and give us a subscribe and a thumbs up on this episode, even if you just listened to it. We'd really appreciate it. We're trying to get that channel to grow. It's embarrassingly small right now. So if you're listening to this and you haven't gone and given us the sub yet, please go give us a sub. Just do me a, do me a solid. Of course, you can also go to the Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash Pots, where last week I played some Horizon. This week we'll be playing something else. Check it out. It's a good time. We have fun over there. It's a, it's a great way to uh, get a little bit more time with us, support the, ch- support the show, the channel, whatever we're doing here. And then uh, you can, of course, head over to the Pots Prime uh, YouTube channel, get some of our video essays. Oh, I, I, I know what you're playing next week. I've just checked the date. It's the 10th of December. You're playing Cyberpunk. Oh, we're streaming Cyberpunk? Holy shit. Yeah. Yo, I hope it shows up in time. <laughs> oh. That's going to be one of those late deliveries, <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> if not, if my copy say then I'll stream it. You can make yeah, spoilers then. Perfect, perfect. I think I'd prefer that because then I can start my copy fresh, you know, and not have to like, because I don't want to like me. experience the first hour of it on stream and like not pay attention to the dialogue, you know? <laughs> So we'll see it's what happens. It's fine with me, yeah. Well, well, I'm fine to stream some Cyberpunk next week, regardless, because I am so excited for that game. Yeah, that's hype. Okay, cool. Well, we'll definitely have to to touch on that at some point. Um, so, and then last but not least, of course, head over to the Patreon, patreon.com slash Pots, where Steve and I are about to hop into an episode of After Dark, where we're going to answer Parker's weird-ass question about Inception, and then talk about some other stuff. So I hope you'll go check that out and give us the support over there. It really means a lot. It helps us keep growing and doing new things and trying new things and uh we really appreciate your support over there those of you who do uh but if not we love your support anyway appreciate you hope you'll join the discord and uh, we'll catch you next week for another episode of the podcast <laughs>